1: i don't care what they might say we love jesus anyway samson and delilah and those locks of long hair from samson that is a story that we'll explore today as we continue our journey through judges that's coming up next here on way of grace with pastor jesse And welcome to our Friday broadcast of Way of Grace. Pastor Jessica Stan taking us back to Judges today, chapter fifteen, verses six through nineteen. Message simply called "Bind the Strong Man." Oh, it's that classic story of Delilah trying to get Samson to reveal his secret of where his strength lies. And along the way, we'll see how the gospel lays out of this in wonderful fashion. Here's Pastor Jessica Stan with today's broadcast of Way of Grace.
2: We're looking at Samson. Samson will be the final glorious intervention of God on the part of his people, Israel. I'm almost obliged to want to set the context a little bit more for you because of the, the conflation of a number of very enigmatic events that have, have occurred in the 15th chapter. But let me start with the title of our message. Maybe God can help us get a grip on some important principles. Samson. The title is Samson. And the subtitle is bind. The strong man. Samson bind the strong man. Now, the phrasing there can be taken several different ways. Now. It can be taken from the standpoint of what we know is a parody in the celestial dimension. That is to say, we actually believe in one true and living God. We believe that God has revealed himself to us savingly through his son, Jesus Christ. Christ is the revelation of the invisible God. And God has revealed Christ to us by his spirit Through the scriptures, the word of God is special revelation to God's people that gives God's people insight as to what's really going on in our world. When you can't think like God thinks, you can't see what God sees. And this is the difficulty of our present world system. I won't go too deep in the reality that a world that abandons God abandons reality. And then to justify the chaos and confusion of that abandonment of reality, the world engages in mythology and fabricating of the evidence into something that does not correspond with truth. Y'all know that, right? You know you and I are dealing with a society that is drunk on postmodern irrational fantasizing of reality. You know that. And the Bible called that lies, The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. The Bible tells us there's only two spirits in the world, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I'm going to make that a little bit more plain in a moment. But what we're dealing with in the cosmic dimension is a warfare, a battle between the true and the living God at his own purposeful sovereign decree. Because if he didn't want the battle, there wouldn't be one. I can tell you that now. So this battle is about how God reveals himself to us as the Lord of Sabaoth, as the Lord of hosts, as the warrior God that destroys every opposition and foe that comes his way. Now, God appears to enjoy 12 to 15 round bouts. And he could take you out in the first minute of the bout if he wanted to. But he teaches us some things about warfare round by round by round. The other thing you need to know about it is this, that he has an enemy that is so jealous of him that this enemy enjoys mimicking God. Right. The greatest flattery is when you try to imitate someone. And the goal of the devil is to parody, P-A-R-O-D-Y, God, mimic God, copy God, because he knows that if he can be a facsimile of God, he can deceive the vast majority of Christians. See, he's already got the world, but his job is to hoodwink and deceive and manipulate professing Christians Who really don't understand the authentic article. And so his job is to get Christians to actually do his bidding for him. And often you and I, if we were honest, we end up trading places from time to time, being on one team or the other, because we are not clear on our calling. So I want to go back to the title. Samson. Bind the strong man. Now, if you hear that from God's vantage point, then you understand that what's happening is intentional in our narrative and that it becomes paradigmatic all the way through the word of God. That the goal of God is to take Satan, bind him and cast him into the pit for a thousand years so that the gospel can be preached and men and women can be saved. We are in that era. The only reason you're saved is because Christ bound him. But now, if you don't have eyes that look directly at God and comprehend the beauty of God's sovereignty, you might actually hear this imperative, Samson, bind him as coming from the devil. Because the goal of the devil is to bind the strong man. And so the conflict that we're dealing with is a tension between two decrees coming from two kings. The king of the lower dimension and the king of the higher dimension. Which king do you adhere to? Because as we extrapolate the text out, you and I are going to discover that we either facilitate Satan in binding Christ. Or we facilitate God in Christ and binding the enemy. This is the battle that we're dealing with fiercely in my generation. Y'all keeping up with me? Right. So it's important for you to understand that optic 12 times in the event of Samson from chapter 15 to 16, 12 times this concept of binding is used 12 times. Samson will be bound in the 16th chapter because of his love for a woman. And that binding will take us to the last mission of this brother who is a solo savior. He is a one man wrecking crew. He is God's savior type. He will put an end to the Philistine reign by him being bound. And if you know the gospel like I know the gospel, the one to be bound, Is God's darling son, Jesus the Christ. The lessons you and I want to learn is whose side are you on? Because we got some confusion going on in our text. Y'all ready? All right, I'm going to start with point number one to kind of work this through just to help you get it. It's called the offense of the flesh. The offense of the flesh. Do you know anything about it? Of course you do. You got one. And you and I have already identified the Philistines as that uncircumcised fallen nature model of all of our natures. Is that true? He is the most formidable enemy you will ever have. You and I are dealing with enemies on the inside. We're dealing with enemies on the outside. And when we're weak, we're more inclined to want to blame everything on the enemy on the outside. Rather than recognizing that the greatest enemy I got to deal with is the enemy in me, and that's why Christ died to liberate me from me, because if He didn't liberate from me, me would be on the side of the enemy trying to bind Him. And unfortunately, a lot of religious folk are on the wrong side. We're about to see that. It's amazing. And so what we got going on in our text is actually the beginning of a grand global news event. Yes, Fox News has a special report for you. That's called verse four. Fox News. Stay with me because you're going to miss it if you think you got it. So what Samson did after that, that's verse four, please. What Samson did after that, he engaged in his first campaign. Remember, I told you God has intentionally set Samson up to penetrate into the camp of the Philistines because the Philistines will become Israel's greatest foe that needs to be dealt with by someone who has the capacity in order to stop their ability to dominate the people of God. Samson is unique in all the judges in that he does not need a team. Just as our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, by himself put away our sins and sat down at the right hand of God. So Samson has finished dealing with his conniving companions that represent Judas Iscariot and every other hypocritical religionist that drew near to Jesus in his earthly ministry only to betray him at the end. Samson deals with them, as you guys know, in that first chapter in killing off 30 men, taking their garments and giving it to them and and, and promising to handle and deal with their treachery with his wife. You guys remember that. Well, that's chapter 15. See, every man shall reap whatever he sows. They thought Samson was going to walk away and just let it be. But no. If Samson walked away and let it be, it would be like Christ walking away and letting me come into the treachery and destruction of the wicked. When he paid for my sins to redeem me from all iniquity and he would not rescue me. But he's going to avenge his name. And so that's what Samson does as he heads on down. Now, Samson, I told you, is one of those enigmatic brothers that dresses kind of strange, has long hair. And it's bizarre, and if you are judging after the flesh, John seven twenty four, you will miss him. Just like they missed Jesus. Didn't I tell you that? He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him, because mankind is trapped by the assumption that we know what righteousness is when we see it. Stay with me. This is one of the fallacies of religion. One of the fallacies of religion is that we imperceptibly slip into a dimension of judging things after the flesh, thinking that we're judging righteous judgment. That would be you and me. This is often when we set the word of God aside and start using human reasoning to determine what's going on. And the enemy loves to test you to see if you're pretending to know Jesus or not. And when enough pressure comes down, you and I are exposed for not knowing him like we ought to know him. And so what we have going on in our text is that Samson is this enigmatic brother that dresses weird and bizarre, has long hair. He's a foreigner who comes into the camp of the Philistines because he's seeking a bride. And that is a pattern of Christ. Christ is not like you and me. If we saw him, there would be no beauty in him that we would desire him. He'd have to change your heart and show you from the inside the beauty of his character and nature. And then you might fall in love with him. Am I making some sense? And this is the nature of the gospel. Most of the time when the gospel's preached properly, will you hear me? Most people don't like the gospel. Many of you who first heard me for the first time did not like the way I preached because I didn't preach to cater to your felt needs. See what we would call that, we would call that Philistine preaching. This here is your seeker friendly movement that's been going on for a number of decades, bringing the church into socialism as well. Ecumenism and syncretism. Y'all keeping up with me? So then getting back to Fox News, And the grand agenda on the part of Samson to let everybody know he's back, he took 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail with ropes. Now, when he tied them with ropes, he left them separated broadly enough so that they would have freedom to run. I'm trying to help you understand what's going on. He didn't tie them tail to tail. He tied them tail to rope to tail to rope so that two foxes were free to run through with their tails on fire so that they could burn up the wheat, burn up the vineyards, and burn up the olive trees. And then he sent 300 of them out there. Do y'all get the optic now? Now it's important to know that that was the old ancient way of bringing news to the society. That's why I call it Fox News. (laughs) Because if you read verse six, it says, who did this? Everybody watching the news that night, 6 o'clock p.m., everything's on fire. But now the folks that work at Fox News really work for CNN News, the communist news network. Because both sides are telling you lies, some are better at it than others, and you don't know it. This is what we call planned and controlled conflict. And so what Samson is doing is letting everybody knows the gig is up. I want you to understand I'm back in now to deal with that, which we started off with. So they got all upset because Samson started a fire. Now, see, that's what news is. It's a fire. News is a fire. And the media knows the best way to get lots of people to watch you is to focus on a fire. So this is what Samson does. Starts a fire so everybody can get involved. I want to show you now the ethical nature of the flesh in this context. The unethical nature of the flesh in this context. Under point number one, an offense of the flesh. This is what verses six through eight underscore for us. So, okay, Samson starts a fire. Yes, this is an economic hit that the Philistines have to deal with. That would be tough for all of us, would it not? But I think we've got one going on too. And I think somebody started that fire as well. I do not think that is organic, I do not think that is natural, I think that is contrived. Now, of course, I can think what I want and you can too, but I think somebody set some foxes on fire and ran through our economy and created a mess. Now, it's important for you to know that he used their tails. because the Bible tells us the tale is the false prophet that speaks lies. That's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 15, just to help you out. Remember, I told you most people don't know their Bible. Listen to it very carefully. Isaiah chapter 9, 15, the ancient and the honorable, he's the what? This is the biblical principle that leadership should be mature. It should not be babies. They should not be novices. They should not be children. They should not be unexperienced. They should not be women. They should not be unlearned in the, in the body of Christ. There is no comfort when you got people leading you that have no experience. Because you know what they're doing? Experimenting on you. That's what's been going on for the last two and a half years. These are called folks who are not mature, not wise, not sage, having no wisdom, but are zealous to want to experiment and grow by using you for their own experimentation. God says all leadership should be men and women who are wise and prudent and skillful and qualified to lead the people. This here is a hierarchy principle. The, 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 the mentality of those in leadership should be men and women who actually love truth and hate covetousness and are serious about outcomes being righteous. And so what we're dealing with today are men and women who are Far from that integrity factor. Because biblically, they are called spiritual children. Now, children are naive. Children are mischievous. Children are inclined to break boundaries, not understanding consequences. And this is why good parenting have to put boundaries around the kids for their own safety and the safety of everybody else. So what you and I are dealing with right now with this principle, God has told us that there are seasons that occur... When men take on positions of leadership, such as the prophetic role, where they should be the most fierce in telling the truth, and they're lying. But I already told you that the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. Now, again, my elder used what is called a generic, generic phraseology, and you have to always be careful about generic phraseology. Whenever we go, everything is a lie that cannot be true. Because if everything is a lie, then there's no such thing as truth. But we're generalizing. Logic can get you too. Watch out. Unless it's the logos. Right? So the point being is this that there's a lot of falsehood and deception and prevarication and all kinds of manipulations taking place in our world to the degree that you know it intuitively. You know something's not right. In fact, every human being has that indicator in them because when they meet God on the last day, guess what they won't be able to say? I did not know. You knew something. This is what had you agitated all your life long. So when we get this optic of, 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 of uh, Samson in his artful expression of prophecy, taking the foxes and putting them tail to tail, what he's saying is the whole Philistine system is filled with lies. Is that true? Right. Does the flesh lie? Does the carnal nature walk in deception? Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It is constantly seeking to deceive you. This is why I'm saying if you are a serious Christian, your battle first and foremost is inward. If you're a serious Christian, you cannot be thinking that the battle is won just simply by blaming somebody else. Okay, it's very important for you to know true sanctification is bringing the Philistine into subjection in you. But that has to be done also by work requisite to that when we are dealing with the text in front of us. Now, notice how they responded. I call this unethical, but it definitely corresponds with where we are today. The text tells us, I'm in chapter 15, as we look over in verse 6, then the Philistine said, who has done this? I tell you, Samson wanted them to know, right? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companions. And the Philistines came up and did what? Burnt her and her father with fire. We talked about that last week, didn't we? All right, let me just show you a quick principle that you need to know. The Philistine, the flesh is unlawful. The flesh is immoral. The flesh is unmerciful. The flesh is unkind. The carnal mind does not understand law nor order. The carnal mind is enmity against God's law. That's where my country is today. This is how wicked my country is and how wicked we have become because we have set aside God's law. We make burning up a field equivalent to killing a human being. So the Philistines thought it was just to go take Samson's wife and uh, her father and kill them. But the Bible tells me nothing could ever be even closely to just in that kind of behavior. Your Bible tells you an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. That's called justice. Does that make some sense? A man is to be punished according to his what? Deeds. There's no way to equate an eternity bound human being to all the fields in the world. If we were to burn them all up, it would not justify killing one human being if those fields didn't end up killing other human beings. See, what I'm getting at today is that this Philistine culture in which you and I live would rather kill us and save the planet. Now y'all catching up with what I'm talking about. And we got a whole bunch of pseudo self-righteous people that feel emotionally attached to the planet, but would be more than willing to kill human beings.
1: Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here grace-bible.com is our website again that's grace-bible.com if you wish to give us a call the number is 510-886-9782 that's 510-886-9782 if you're writing to us our address is 22 768 main street that's two two seven six eight main street here in hayward The zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today. This program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway.